Good morning, Christchurch. Let's all stand as we worship together.
welcome to today's The Pew. <laughs> today uh, we talk about issues that affect the church, and today we have the Real Housewives of Crossroads. Real Housewives <laughs> that actually attend Crossroads. <laughs> and today we're going to ask them just a few questions about their marriage and, uh, and their husbands. And so I'd like to first start with you, Pam. I would like to ask you, uh, being married to a famous megachurch pastor, <laughs> How do you feel loved by Chuck? I think I feel loved mostly when he listens to me, and he listens to me most of the time. <laughs> and um, I just, I do, I feel really loved when I know that he takes the time to Great. hear me. When he, when he, and how do you know he's listening to you? Because he asked the right questions. Okay, good, <laughs> good. Little tip there, guys. <laughs> Natalia, you're also married to a pastor. How do you feel loved by Ronnie? I feel most loved by Ronnie when he will do the dishes or um, wash my car, because most of the time I can't do it right. So <laughs> when he does it, it makes me feel loved, because I know he doesn't like to do it either. Okay, great. How about you, Talia? You're married to a famous uh, independent business entrepreneur. <laughs> um, I feel loved like Natalia when Ricky does um, the dishes or cleans the kitchen for me, or he'll pack the kids' bags um, for the next day so that I could go to bed early, and that makes me feel loved. Okay. And Lanice, you're married to a SWAT cop, so uh, <laughs> how does a guy like that, how do you feel loved by him? Well, he reads for me. Every time I have a really good book that I want him to read to kind of get an idea of what to do with our marriage, he reads and he applies it, and it's very helpful. Okay, so we're learning a couple things. One, that cops read. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing is that uh, I'm not hearing anything about physical touch or things like that, men. So notice we've seen mostly acts of service and um, uh, saying nice things so far. So the second thing I want to ask that I think is also really important in a marriage is how does your spouse make you feel special? It's one thing to feel loved, but it's the other thing to be like you're the person that they love and adore. And so, Pam, how does Chuck love and adore you? I think... How I notice in him is when he doesn't know I'm there, like if he's somewhere and I surprise him and he turns and he sees me, his eyes light up when he sees me. Aww. <laughs> his eyes light up when he's beating me in golf, too. <laughs> Same thing? Don't know. Okay. <laughs> Natalia, how about you? Uh, I feel most loved and adored by Ronnie because we get to work together. So if we're sitting in a meeting and he texts me that he thinks my hair looks good or that I look good, it makes me feel special. Or when he swings by Yogurtland on his way yes. home or something <laughs> because I know he took time out of his day to think of me and get me something. So Ronnie, some Yogurtland would be nice today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Little product dropping there. Okay. <laughs> Talia? Um, I feel special to Ricky because he will hear things that I say in passing and remember them and surprise me with them later. Um, this year for my birthday, I really, he knew that I wanted to get together with my best girlfriends, um, and that's just what I wanted to do is go to dinner or something with them, but that's impossible because we all live far away. And he coordinated and called them and got them all together, and they surprised me at my house and took me out for dinner, and it was all him. <laughs> And Lenise, how does Joe make you feel special? Well, since I was 17 when we met, um, he's always told me that I'm beautiful and perfect just the way I am, without makeup and hair a mess and clothing looking terrible. I'm always beautiful every single day, no matter what I look like, and that's mm. been really good. Aww. Okay, good. And Pam, just so one more thing. What's the one thing that you would say that you need from Chuck every day just to feel special? The goodbye kiss in the morning. 
I so need that. And when I don't get it, if he forgets or something, I really, it wrecks my day, the whole day. <laughs> oh my gosh, my parents are the same way. And last week at the kissing booth, how many of you guys did the kissing booth last week? A lot of you guys? Well, my parents embarrassed me and my mom got on my dad's lap and Henry had to try to get him to stop. So I think I might have another baby sister or brother on the way after that. But um, ultimately, I'm just excited to one day have that kind of love. Like a summer sky just shining down on me and you. I swear your heart is a free bird on a lazy sunny afternoon. I love the way that you were up for anything. Never worried about what people say. That's right. Oh, that's right. What we got is. I got to tell you, if you didn't catch it, the couples at Crossroads have no lack of passion. Um, I was so excited because I thought, oh, you know, maybe a few couples will go to the kissing booth. I walked out there. That was the longest line. 
was like, wow, man. And it was just cool. Young, old, all ages, everybody out there uh, just uh, watching that happen. And I want to tell you, I always hope for a place where couples come together and love each other in marriage and, and the marriages get better and better and better. Uh, that God would just, just bless and do that. And, you know, uh, that if you have a good marriage, you, you end up with a great one. If you've got some struggles in your marriage, guess what? God's got answers. Uh, if you're here and, you know, you're thinking, I haven't met that person yet, man, I, I hope you meet them here. And uh, I, I just, you know, for that. And some of you have had a heritage of marriage, and you look back. And uh, I am not ignorant of the idea that some of you today, this is a painful topic. Um, but let's, let's talk about what God would want, the ideal. And if you've not had that happen, I'm going to say that I bet money you would want the couples who are here to get a message that it should be better. Let's ask God to move in this time. Father, I pray and ask right now, no matter what stage or what state someone is sitting here in, that, Lord, you'd speak to their hearts, speak to their mind, and just really cause them to understand, no matter what we talk about today, that in the end, you want to have an amazing relationship with us. That, Jesus, you're the groom and the church, we're the bride. And that the intensity and the intimacy and the passion that we're talking about today, you want to have that literal, in a very real way with you and us. And so I open and ask myself, Lord, to be someone who experiences it. I ask for everyone else here too. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know what? God wants great marriages. He really does. We live at a time when marriage is under assault. It's under assault from many, many things, and our culture is actually kind of geared itself to not allow marriages to grow and be the kind of marriages they should be. Uh, and by the way, uh, I'm not going to get political or anything, but the state of New York just sinned in the eyes of God in a pretty amazing way. And we need to understand that that assault on marriage isn't okay with God. And uh, we've got to understand, it's time for us to say what really matters. When we look, when we look at the Bible, God paints a picture of this beautiful, amazing relationship. And the Lord wants it to be one that is so incredible that when you look at it, you go, that is a very clear illustration of the kind of relationship that God wants with me and that I have with him. In other words, the kind of intimacy, the kind of passion, the kind of unity, the kind of joy, the strengthening, the edification that comes in a godly marriage is a sign of how God wants to love you and love me. But again, like I said, marriage is always under attack. As a matter of fact, there's kind of almost this hidden message that when someone gets married, it's like, oh, those poor people. I actually had a, a girl who went from a premarital counseling session with her mom to stop by a store on the way to buy flowers for her wedding, and they were buzzing about it, standing there. And a woman in line said, excuse me, are you getting married? And the, a, a total stranger. And she said, uh, yes, I am. And the woman said, oh, honey, don't do it. You'll ruin your life. I was like, whoa, Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if you've heard the story about a man who was traveling and he was in a kind of a small town and getting ready to go catch another plane, walked out carrying his cup of coffee, and he saw the strangest thing he'd ever seen. Right there in the middle of the street, coming down the main street, was a horse-drawn wagon, and on the wagon was a big coffin. Behind the coffin was a man walking very slowly with a big, huge Doberman pitcher. Behind him was 11 other men. And he stood there and he thought, this is the strangest thing I've ever seen. And he couldn't contain himself. So he walked over and he said to the guy with the Doberman pincher, he said, you know what, I know this is out of place, 
but I'm about to leave. I am so intrigued with what's happening. I'm sorry to interrupt, but can you tell me what's going on? And the guy said, well, yeah, I can. He said, uh, do you see that coffin up there? He said, yeah. He said, my wife's in that coffin. And uh, the guy said, oh, man, I am so sorry. He said, no, don't be. She was the meanest woman that ever lived. And this dog killed her. And the guy stood there and goes, um, can I borrow your dog? And the guy said, get in line. You know, and... Uh, and you guys know those kind of jokes are out there all over the place. Now, why? Because there's so many times we see marriage not go the right direction. And, you know, Rodney Dangerfield had said this. He said, I know marriage is a great institution, but who wants to be married to an institution? You know, and, and yet God, are you ready for this? God has a different message. God wants marriage to be heaven on earth. God wants marriage to be heaven on earth. And God wants that to be what happens. When a couple comes together and loves each other, like, you know, today we prayed for Albert and Belinda. We want them to have this amazing life where their kids look up at them and say, wow, my mom and dad love each other and I know what real love is. And that's what God means for it to be. If you're a man here and you're married, are you ready? God says, I want you to see your wife is a gift from me. Proverbs 18, said, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Now catch this and obtains favor from the Lord. Uh, favor doesn't mean just blessing. Their favor means a gift. So God says, you know what, Chuck? When I wanted to bless you, I gave Pam to you as a gift. All of you men who are married, God says, I gave your wife to you as a gift. Now, I'm always very intrigued by this, that while the Bible's very clear that a wife is a gift from God, nowhere in the Bible does it say a husband's a gift from God. <laughs> I think maybe we're the cross you have to bear. But... But you know what? It, it, God says, I want guys to see their wives that way. And then something else. Marriage is to be seen as the completion of God's will in most everybody's life. Not, not everybody. We know there's the exceptions. But God says, I designed this relationship to bring a completion to your love, a completion to your happiness, a completion to your fulfillment. In Genesis chapter 2, 18, Adam is living in perfect union with the Lord. His relationship with God could not be better. But notice what it says in verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, grab that. God said it is not good for Adam to be alone. And yet he had a perfect relationship with God. Do you catch what God did by purpose, by design? God did this on purpose. He created you and I for a need for others. Now, not in every case, but in the majority of cases, that need is ultimately met in a marriage where people love each other and care for each other and transparent with each other and can trust each other, where they rejoice in amazing, amazing ways and share intimately and passionately together. And God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for you to be alone, so I'll make a helper comparable to you. The word comparable. Comparable means to fit together, someone who fits your life, someone who fits you, you, you who you are in uniqueness. But I love that word helper. Uh, Webster's recently changed the definition. But uh, some years back, the definition according to Webster's dictionary was that a, a helper was a relatively unskilled laborer who helps a skilled laborer by manual labor. Guys, isn't that sound pretty good? Yeah. Uh, but, but you know what? The real idea is not that. The Hebrew word for helper is the word rescuer. 
It's where God says, you know what I want you to do? I want you to see your wife as someone who rescues you from loneliness, rescues you from a life that doesn't have meaning. Rescue. So by the way, isn't it interesting? The Bible actually paints the picture. Not the husband rescues the wife, but the wife rescues the husband. So I, I look at Pam and I see that in her. She's rescued me. She's rescued me from a life of despair. She's rescued me from a life that has lack of meaning. She's rescued me from a loveless life. She's rescued me from money because she spins it so fast. And... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, it, it, it's that coming together. And so that's what God has. But the most important thing I want you to grab we're about to look at is according to Ephesians 5, starting in verse 21, is that marriage is a place of intense love. Love that's real. Love that's shown. Love that's just literally off the charts incredible. That's what marriage is meant to be. Uh, a group of behavioral psychologists asked some seven and eight-year-olds, what is love? What is love? I, I, some of you have seen this as floating on the internet. It's really cool. Uh, I got some of them here. Uh, Emily, who's eight years old, said this. Love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you want to be together and you want to talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that, but they look gross when they kiss. Uh, Danny, who's age seven, said this. Love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. Don't you love that? Uh, Noelle, a little seven-year-old girl named Noelle said, love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt and then he wears it every single day. <laughs> uh, Chris, who's age seven, said, love is when mommy sees daddy and he's smelly and sweaty and she still says he's handsomer than Brad Pitt. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and then my favorite of all, Rebecca, eight years old, said, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even though his hands hurt from arthritis. Now, when I read through the list, I want to tell you what stood out to me. Seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds, when they were asked what love is, almost all of them, not all, but almost all, describe their mother and father. Because you know what? That's where they're going to look for love. That's where they're going to find love. That's where they're going to understand what love is. And you know what? By the way, that's what God wants to have happen. The Bible says that marriage is a great mystery. That's what it says at the end of this section. It's a great mystery. And Paul says, but while I'm not just talking about marriage, let me tell you what I'm really talking about is Jesus and the church. That when we look at a godly marriage, we see a picture of our relationship with God. Now, please don't let that thought leave your mind. Please grab hold of that. In other words, when I look at how Pam and I relate together, the Lord says, do you understand? I want that very same relationship with you. Now, I want you to please lock into that. No matter what state you're in or what stage of life you're in, God is saying to you, I want that kind of intimacy with you, that kind of love with you, that kind of communication with you. I want that with you. So when we think about this, what are we talking about? Well, to have a marriage that's truly heaven on earth, the first thing that it has to start with is mutual submission. Mutual submission. Look at chapter 5, the end of verse 21. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, we cannot understand everything else about marriage, and we can't have and live out a great marriage if we're not going to come into it with mutual submission and mutual respect. Now, I want you to grab that and not let go of it. God doesn't want the husband to be seen as over the wife or the wife over the husband. I do believe the husband is to be a spiritual leader. I believe the husband is to be a leader. 
Now, if you're a woman here, you go, man, I, I don't like that term. I, I don't want to see my husband as the leader. Well, let me tell you what a biblical leader is. A biblical leader is a servant. And if you're a husband here today, God has called you to be the spiritual leader. You ready? That means you're the lead lover and the lead servant. And if you're a wife here and you don't think that is cool, then I want to get an appointment with you with Dr. David Smith. He is a psychologist and uh, he'll help you. But you know, guys, that's what it, but it's not about being over and above. It's about being the one who comes in with the most intense love ever and leading out in love and leading out in service and treating your wife with respect. And by the way, the wife should treat the husband with respect. First Peter chapter three, verse seven, Peter's addressing the issue of marriage. And he says, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she's a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, please, real quickly, it doesn't say a woman's weaker. It says treat her as if she would be. That means treat her with sensitivity and gentleness. That's all it's saying there. But let me get to the main point I don't want you to miss. He said treat her as an equal. Treat her as a co-heir of the grace of God. Now, in our day and time, the equality of men and women is kind of almost a given. But I want to tell you, in the day this was written, it was not. In both the Jewish and the Roman culture, women were subservient. As a matter of fact, in the Jewish culture that Peter is addressing here, the teaching was this, that if a wife and a husband were out in public, the wife was to walk at least three steps behind him, looking at the ground to show reverence for her husband. We call that the good old days. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. I know I'm going to get emails. Just go ahead and write it. It's Bill Haydorn at CrossroadsChurch.com. Just send them in. But, you know, here's the point. When, they, when Peter said this, people would have reacted and said, are you crazy? By the way, a lot of things God says about marriage today, people in our culture don't get, but God's right. And God wants it to be a place of mutual submission, so you do that together. Then he talks about how to live that out in some very key and important ways. And so to the wives, he addresses in verses 22 to 24 something. And I want you to catch, for a wife to be the wife you need to be, to feed the husband, And you want to do that. You want to help him. You want to make him stronger. You want to be that completion in his life. If you're going to be that, you must show respect. You must show respect. Verse 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, to catch that, as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Now, just the way that I love Jesus and I want to serve him, God says a wife ought to want to do that for her husband. But I'm not, I don't know about you, but man, when I fell in love with the Lord, I couldn't wait to do something for God. Every time he gives me a privilege of being able to, to share with him or give to him or show love in his name, I, I go off the charts excited for that. And a wife should have that attitude towards her husband. I, I want you to grab it. In other words, what's it saying? I want you to show respect. At the very end of the section, it says, wives, respect your husbands. That's what this means. Um, Every year, about this time of the year, I go through an evaluation process. By the way, the elders, our board of elders, evaluate me. And they have different ways of putting me under evaluation to see how I'm doing. And by the way, I, just real quickly, I love this time of the year. I love getting the feedback. I love wanting to know where I'm doing well and where I'm not doing so well. Well, uh, two years ago, we decided to have a, 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 the, all the staff do an evaluation of me. 
And, and sometimes we do part of them, and this year we decided to do them all. So I get back like 70-some evaluations, and, 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 and I'm looking at them, and I can't wait to read them. And the vast majority are saying really glowing, wonderful things. You know, Some of them are like, you couldn't believe what they said, man. I thought, I don't know who they're writing about, but I know they want to raise. And, uh, and, and then there were two. I don't think they got together. Two of them wrote, Chuck plays favorites, or Chuck has favorites. And I was like, oh, hmm. Now, I, I don't know that anybody doesn't have favorites in life, but I thought, are they saying, and are they right in saying that I'm not treating the staff with equality when it comes to certain things, because that would not be okay. And so I, I really wanted to do some soul searching about that. I wanted to see, am I not being the kind of leader I should be and, 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 and giving that out there? And, and so I, I sat and prayed about it and thought about it, not just in a moment. I really gave some intense discussion on it in my mind and talking to others. Well, here's what I ended up doing. I ended up writing a list of people on staff that would probably be my favorites. Now, our staff is a gifted group. I love every one of them. Uh, they're an anointed group. They're a motivated group. They're, they're effective in what they do. But as I wrote out the list of what I would say are probably the favorites they were speaking of, there were quite a few. You know what I noticed they all had in common? Every one of them that I ended up on that list, in a very real way, had intense respect for me. They really respect my leadership. They respect my wisdom. They respect uh, my marriage. They respect my opinion. Uh, and I'm not saying the rest of the staff that in this group in particular, not in a flattering way, in a very real way, shows respect. Now, what am I getting at? I'm getting at like, you know, when they, they have a meeting with me, they almost always run in and going, hey, today we get to meet. I am so glad. I've been excited and anticipating this. Well, how do you feel about people who act that way towards you? Uh, when the time for the meeting comes, they show up early. When they come in, they have questions. I mean, real questions, and, and they're digging in. And, and then they say things like, help me be better. Help pour into me. I want to rise up. I believe you can help me. And I want to tell you something. I, I, I don't think I'm alone in this. Everybody here, you want to be around people like that. Now, you might say, Chuck, why are you saying this? Are you trying to get the rest of the staff to do that? No, I'm not. Uh, but here's why I'm bringing it up. Wives, your husbands ought to feel that way about you. If anybody, and I really mean this, if you tuned out, tune in. I really mean, seriously, tune in. If you're a woman here who's married to a man, there better be no one else in the world who respects him the way you do, especially another woman. Especially another woman. If there's another woman who respects your husband more than you do, you're in trouble. I mean, that's got danger, warning signs, glaring and flashing all over it. And, and we've got to be careful about that. I... Um, was in a situation where I thought, okay, am I going to insert myself in this or not? Because I saw it as a chance to stop something from happening that I saw going in the wrong direction in a pretty big way. And what it is, there was a particular woman that Pam and I know, and who's married, and I know her husband real well, and I started picking up on the fact she would never, ever say anything positive about him. Like, I mean, it seemed like every, every time she talked, it'd be boom. And it was never upbuilding. It was, and, I, and not like totally tearing down, but I just noticed an absence. And not so much an attack all the time, but an absence of ever talking about him in a respectful, glowing way. Here's when it stood out to me. This guy's a pretty good leader, and I showed up where he works, and it was the opposite there. 
He, he was in an organization where people were constantly showing respect to him. By the way, women were showing respect to him. If some of the women at work had a chance to sit down and he asked, hey, I think we ought to do this. They were like, ah, and they're like, ah, and, and he would go home and not get that at home. So I thought, you know what, I, I think this is scary. So I prayed about it and I got an opportunity. And I, I, Pam and I had her in a, a kind of a, a one-on-one setting. And I said, hey, I, I don't want to butt into your marriage, but I got to tell you something I'm concerned about. And I said, I just don't think you show respect to your husband. And she said, well, huh, you really don't? And I said, no. I, I said, you don't, you're not proud of him. And I said, I got to tell you, here's where I'm scared. Everybody else is. When, when, you know, I was at his place of work, man, they are so proud of him. And she said this, they don't know him like I do. And here was my response. I think they do. I think they do. I think they may know him better than you do. I think who they know is him. I'm not sure who you know. Now, this marriage was in a precarious state heading south quick. Wives, it is incredibly important you show respect to your husband. And and if you aren't doing that, in other words, if I walked up to you and say, hey, tell me five positive things about your husband, and you can't, you're like, "Um, well, uh, uh," then hey, we got a problem. Because I'm almost sure that isn't anybody here, if I said, tell me five things that bug you, you couldn't come up with like that, you know, and probably in the last hour. But uh, uh, the thing is, is, is we don't want to do that. Uh, now, by the way, wives, we're done. So you can sit there and get ready to nudge your husband all you want in the next part of this message. Because a wife has one job, one key job, the respect. Ready for this? Husbands, you've got three main jobs. Three main jobs that God wants you to do. Three keys to having a great marriage. Here's the first one. Make your wife feel loved. The Bible is clear. Not that you just say you love her, although you should tell her you love her. You should tell her. It ought to be verbal. But you ought to find lots of ways to show her she's loved. And God wants that to be the case. Now, where I'm going with this is this. Jesus is the example. Jesus showed us he loved us by going to the cross for us. Jesus showed us he loved us by saying, I'm standing at the door and knocking. Open up and I'll come in and I'll be with you. Jesus showed us he loved us by saying, I want to pour love into your heart. Now, you know what? A husband needs to show Show his love for his wife. He needs to verbalize it and show it. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know what? He's saying, I want you to show love. I want you to study her. Remember Peter said, live with her in an understanding way. I I love what what Talia said about Ricky. The Ricky listens for opportunities to go and show love to Talia. And she may not always know he caught it. By the way, I want to tell you guys, there's a sport that almost all of us who are married, and by the way, dating and everybody else, there's kind of this, this Olympic event that you've been cast into. It's called romance. Now, now, do you know the definition of romance? It's that she is thinking of something she wants you to do, but she doesn't want to tell you because if she has to tell you, then you better not do it. Isn't that the truth? You know, if she tells you, you never send me flowers, you're dead in the water, Right? And she tells you, you know, why, why didn't you do the dishes for me? You know, it's like, and, and it's not that you shouldn't go do those things, but it, you want to get it ahead of time. One time I wanted Pam to know how she loved she was. Oh man, I really wanted her to know. Uh, today, for some reason, Pam's in the shoes. Back then she wasn't so much, but our kids were little and we happened to be over at the Tyler Galleria and we went by a, a Payless shoe area, kind of like that version of the store. And, and Pam pointed out 
some shoes. She goes, oh, those are really cute. And then we went ahead. And we didn't have any money. We couldn't buy them. Even We couldn't afford Payless. And so what happened is I was like, oh, this is awesome. So I, I, you know, we ended up having all these things happen. A couple days later, I grabbed the boys. I go, come on. And we, we drove over to the shoe store. We went inside. They were having a sale. So I didn't just buy her those shoes. I bought her six other pairs. I bought her seven pairs of shoes. Yeah, I thought, we're going to blow her mind. And so what happens, we were at my parents, and I said, Pam, hey, I, I, I have something for you. And I walked out, and I gave her the shoes that she was hoping for. She goes, oh, those are the ones, oh, you knew, you knew. And then out comes Rich and Tim with two more pair. Oh, my gosh. And then we all go, and we come out with three more. And she's like, oh, and being a pastor, I never give six. We always give seven. And... Uh, and, and so she just is like, oh, she, she, her breath's taken away. And she goes, I can't believe you did this. And by the way, they were all the right size, which was good, you know. And, uh, and she, we were driving home, and she's going on and on about how incredible this was. And she just thought I was the greatest guy ever until two days later. She walks in and goes, Chuck, um, where's my shoes? I said, well, I thought they'd be in your closet. She goes, no, I left them in the boxes. I said, oh. I threw them in the trash, and the trash already came. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I th- that's kind of funny, isn't it? And she didn't think so. Uh, wasn't quite as funny. But, but the idea is, I really was trying to do something to touch your heart. We need to show love. We need to show love. And so here's the question. When I look at my wife, Pam, does she feel loved? Do I verbalize it and show it in such a way that she goes, I know he loves me. And she just feels it. Guys, you want to intentionally, what are some things you can do? I'm going to give you a homework. What are some things you can do to show her she's loved? The next thing is, does she feel special? Verse 26. You are to give yourself up for her, verse 26, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. In other words, not only should she feel loved, guys, we got to make our wives feel special. Now, the word sanctify does mean that. The word sanctify means special or set apart or, or reserved or holy. And the idea is this, that, that I need to be sure that Pam knows there is literally no other in the woman in the world that I would want to be with other than her, that no one compares to her that no one's more engaging, that if I could, if I had the chance to choose of every woman there was, I would choose her in an instant and never, ever take that back. That's how I ought to make her feel every single day. That's how I, I want her to feel. That's what I want to have in her life. I want her to be that way. And, and, and actually, I, I feel that about her. And every man ought to look at his wife that way. That's God's great, great desire that you say, you know, I, I do things and share things. And, and she knows, she knows that's the way I think of her. Uh, I've shared this before, but I, whenever I'm on this section, I think about it. There was a TV show that when I was in high school, I loved. It was called Love Boat. Anybody else know Love Boat? Okay, yeah, yeah. And remember there was Doctor and Gopher and the Captain and Isaac. And, and what happened is they would have these couples come on the cruise and, and, and they would talk about the relationship. But you had this, this main cast that always interacted. My favorite, favorite show is the Doctor and I think it was Gopher were standing there greeting the passengers. And up comes this kind of elderly, overweight woman. And she comes up going, hi, hi, I'm Mrs. So-and-so, and they're going to be in the first, first-class cabin. And she said, I just am so excited about the cruise. And he goes, well, I'm the doctor. And he goes, you know, I'll go for it. says, well, I'm here to make sure your cruise is great. And they're talking to her. And all of a sudden, this guy comes walking up. Uh, he, he is an Olympic marksman. 
He's an older man, but he had won a gold medal in the Olympics in pistol shooting and now owned a major gun company. And he comes walking up to him as they're talking with the wife. He says, what are you doing? And he goes, what, what do you mean? He goes, who are you? And he goes, well, I'm the doctor. He goes, I know you doctors. You think you can have shipboard romances with whoever you want? Well, you're going to stay away from my wife. Well, he looks at the wife's like 25 or 30 years older than him. He's like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. He goes, I saw you. And you too. You were looking at my wife. And they're like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. He goes, you, I'm warning you. I got a temper. You try to come on to my wife. She's mine. And she's like, honey, they weren't. They weren't. And he walks away glaring. At, and they're like, oh my gosh. And they know that he's an Olympic marksman. Well, the whole cruise she would go to talk to him, and he would come, I see what you're doing, I'll shoot you. And they're like, ah. And so he's threatening them the whole cruise. And she's like, honey, stop. The end of the show, all the men are hiding in the captain's cabin because they're fearful. And there's a knock at the door. And he, he opens the door and steps in with a gun, and they all dive everywhere. And he goes, no, 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 come out, come out. I'm not going to shoot you. He goes, captain, this gun's a gift. I, I want to give this gift to you because I know I've made this cruise difficult for you. He said, but let me tell you why I did what I did. When I met my wife, she was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. And today she still is. But as she's gotten older, she's doubted that about herself. So I act this way so she'll know that I think she's the most beautiful, desirable woman ever. And when I, th I thought, oh, that is so neat. Of course, you go to prison for doing that. But... Uh, <laughs> I really mean what I'm about to say, and I think everybody who knows me personally would say, yeah, it's true. There is no one in my mind no more beautiful to me than my wife, Pam. I'm not kidding. I, I look at her. I get excited about being near her. I, I praise God she's in my life. And as the years have gotten older, she's gotten more beautiful, not less. And uh, by the way... Um, Today, it just kind of, I think it was almost a God thing. One of our junior high students ran up to her and saw her and goes, oh, Pam, oh my gosh, you look 16. So she's all excited, you know. But she could be 60 or 70, and I know that's going to be the case. And it's not just psyching myself up. Um, maybe because you're not as old, I don't know, every wrinkle is a sign of time we got to spend together that's even more pretty and more beautiful. And I hope, this is my prayer, that every man in this church would look at your wife that way. That you would look at your wife and think there's no one more beautiful inside and out than she is. And she would feel that specialness. By the way, that's what God wants for you if a wife, that, if that's not happened, I'm sorry, but that's what God wants. Now, you ready for this? God wants to make you feel that way. God wants to make you feel that way. He wants you to feel that special. And if today you don't feel that special, then something's wrong. Because in marriage, did you catch what the husband's to love in such a way you feel loved? And the husband's to, to care in such a way that you feel special. And then if you're here today, I want you to know God wants to do that with you. It just echoes through the ages that Jesus looked at a church, a church, a group of Christians, and said, you know what, you got great knowledge and you have great acts of service and, and, and you seem to just do all the right things. But I've got a problem because you don't have a first love with me. The description of us and the Lord is first love. You see, while your faith has an intellectual side to it and your love has some choice to it, the truth is it's supposed to be an emotional attachment between you and him. 
And when he created marriage, in part he did it so you and I would see how he loves us. I got to tell you what, I'll never forget when I first met Pam. Man, I, again, I thought she was gorgeous. I know I was right about it. And I'm walking along trying to decide, do I grab her hand or not grab her hand? Do I grab her hand or not grab her hand? You know, if I grab her hand and she don't want me to, man, I'm a psycho. And uh, if I do it and I'm supposed to, then hey, life is good. And I'm, I'm waiting for that moment. And I see that hand there. And all of a sudden, we bump each other. And my hand closes over hers. And she grabs it really tight. Electricity shot through my body. It really did. Do you remember that first moment? It's like, that's the most beautiful hand ever. You know, and, uh, and I, I'm not just saying this. I love her more today than then. I love the physical touch of her hand on mine. I love when she comes up and gives me a hug. I, and you know what? It, is, it doesn't have to have been, well, that was first love, and it gets, kind of goes away. It should grow. Are you ready? Please don't miss this. That's how it should be with God. You should be more in love with Jesus today than you've ever been. If you've been a Christian 50 years, it just gets better and better and better. I came to know Jesus Christ in 1974, and oh, I fell in love with him. But I love him more today than I ever have. I'm closer to him today. And, and it's not because I'm someone you know, that, that, that has something other people won't have. We all are special in the eyes of God. You are someone special. I am someone special. God loves you like that. So here's the biggest question I can ask you. Do you know how loved you are by God and how special you are? And if you don't, man, God wants you to. We've got to find a way to have your heart open up to him. For all of those of us who know him and love him, let's just keep loving him. If you're in a marriage today that's not good, make sure you take it to great. You can. You can do it. God can make it happen. But I want to say this. More important than all of that, as important as all that is, and it is, if you're here today and you've never met the Lord, let me tell you something. You are missing out on the one who loves you more than you know. And today, if you've been feeling lonely or hurting, today, if you looked at this topic and go, man, it's the last thing I wanted to hear because I got pain in my life. Let me tell you that God wants to love on you like you can't imagine. And you know what you need to do? You need to say yes to him. I one day stood and told Pam, I, I want you to be my wife. And she had a choice to say yes or not. The Lord is going to give you a choice to say yes or not. He is literally going to prod you and stir inside you. You're going to feel something tugging on you. And today, if you want to say yes to him, you need to actually, in words, say yes. And we're going to go to a time of prayer. And if you want to say yes to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to pray the prayer with me. Today, if you're hurting, if you're lonely, I'm going to ask you also to pray this prayer with us because God wants to come in and touch your heart. Today, if you're a couple sitting here and your marriage isn't what it should be, and I'm going to ask you to recommit yourself to God and, and, and recommit yourself to each other. If you are not a Christian, you know what? Give yourself to the Lord and then make today the day you become the best husband or wife you could be. Today, if you are a Christian who's not close to God, you know what you need to do? You need to renew your vow to Him. You need to say, God, I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to pray the prayer again and I mean it and let Him take you back. So right now, we're going to go to a time of prayer, and our hope is that the Holy Spirit will literally stir. That some of you will know this is your moment. Let's pray. Father, I ask right now, I really do, that your Holy Spirit just start moving and touching every single person in this room. And I pray, Lord, that we would all know that you love us. And I pray every person here would know how special they are to you. That they have a special love from you. 
a special calling that they're to fulfill. That God, that you think they're precious. And for people here today that don't feel that way, God, I pray that they would just now open up to you in such a way that your love would pour in and drive all those negative feelings away. God, for anyone here today who's come from a broken marriage, I pray that they would not walk out of this room feeling like a failure any longer. I pray that that now could become their past. But God, the beauty of the future, the wonder of present with you would overwhelm that And if there's some hurt that they need to reconcile, then God, I pray they would. But I pray they would know life's not over. And it's time to move forward. Father, for the person who's sitting here right now and the couple that's marriage isn't not what it should be. For the wife that's sitting here and she desperately wishes her husband would hear this message. God, I pray it would go. It would sink in. And God, I pray right now that all of us, that love that they used to have would start to just come back. Lord, if there's a person sitting here who's just been so hurt, they're not sure if they want to forgive, I pray they'd want to forgive. And I pray they would not be afraid to trust you with their heart and being in this situation. And Lord, I pray right now for anybody who needs to come to know you. Oh, Lord God, I pray right in this moment they would feel you stirring and touching and open up their hearts to you. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And right now, I'm going to lead a prayer for anybody who wants to either commit or recommit their life to God. And you know what? I've been praying all day. There would be people here in this service who you, you would just start sensing God loves you, sense that you have a, a calling in life, a destiny from God. For some of you who would come in here and hurt and pain, I want you to be able to walk out free. And right now, I think you know, you know that God loves you. The question is, are you going to open up to it? He wants you to. Right now, there might be some of you sitting there going, you can sense it. You know this is your moment. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. If you at one time used to be so in love with God and you're not right now, I'm going to ask you to pray the prayer. If you're a couple and you need to recommit together, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. So right now, right where you're sitting, if God's calling you to do this, let's just whisper this prayer together. Say these words. He's proposed to you. This is your chance to say yes. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me all my sin. To heal me from all my hurt and all my pain. To make me alive. To make me new. And to make me yours. So I want to be yours. And I open my heart to you. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit. And help me live the life I should be living. And help me be the person I should be. Because I want to be yours completely. So I say yes. If you haven't said it yet, just get those words out. So Lord, I say yes. I say yes in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer.